You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. The touchdown brings me around again to find I'm not the man they think I am. Oh, oh, no, no, no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. Burning out his fuse out here alone. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. I think it's gonna be a long, long time. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. everybody and welcome once again to Geekfest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone and today we are going to be exploring the musical side of our genre and other genres if you really think about it. What I'm talking about is celebrity music, celebrity albums. When celebrities, pretty famous people that you might know, all of a sudden decide they want to take the musical route and perform or record some music, whether it's original or covers or anything like that there's quite a number of them out there from different time periods all, you know, all the way to today and it is a, a pretty dangerous minefield to try to uh, to walk through when listening to these but we're going to give it a try so let's get started with celebrity albums kind of music do you usually have here? Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. If you don't eat your meat, you can't have any pudding. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? Do you mind if we dance with your dates? Why, no, not at all. Go right ahead. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. We just washed the hair. No, I work on my hair a long time. He, he hit it. He hits my hair. Guess what? I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. As we look back on our personal record album collections, as most of you probably have, you know, changed from one format to another, 
originally I was all about albums and then I switched to cassettes when I started driving so that I could play my albums in the car. I remember having an older car, my, my, my mom really, and we had an eight track in the car because that was the first car we ever owned. And we then put an adapter so you can go from eight track to cassette. But then later, by the time I got to college, I finally, after some time, I wasn't uh, an early adopter, but I finally got a CD. And then from CDs, I guess, I, I guess we jumped to completely digital formats after that. I know there were DAT tapes. I don't remember how popular they were in terms of pre-recorded material. I don't know if that actually existed in on DAT tapes, D-A-T tapes. But then after that, you're talking about iTunes and all that kind of stuff. You just download music left and right. And, you know, it was pretty much over after that. But when I do look back at my album days, the majority of my collection, I believe, that I still kind of own, believe it or not, I have a bin that's been traveling with me, good Lord, for the last (laughs) 40 years, maybe. I would say probably since 1980. And a lot of those albums came from Columbia House. Columbia House, I talked about this before, especially when it comes to to movies, but my my first Columbia House uh, membership, you know, know, when it was all said and done, I had gone through Columbia House and BMG for uh, DVDs and uh, I think I think uh, laser discs, VHS. You know, I, I did the whole movie route with them, but it really started off with albums. The original Columbia House Album Club. For a penny, you get ten albums of some ridiculous amount like that. But if I dig through my collection of albums, I still I, I also still have a lot of forty fives. Not 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 too many, but. A nice little stack of 45s. Again, those were not Columbia House. Those you actually had to go buy at the record store. Again, this is a completely different time where you would buy individual songs because you didn't want to take the whole album. Or sometimes you were looking forward to an album so much that you would just buy the 45 that was be pre-released before the album came out. You know, the single. You know, I got a lot of, uh, I think I got a couple of Hugh Lewis in the News and uh, Miami Vice related stuff, you know, because that's how stuff was was released back then and then you finally got the album but if you f- go through my album collection there's a couple of noticeable ones uh, that are a little odd and that brings us to today's topic which is celebrity albums through history <laughs> entertainment history if you will um, there have been periods where whether it's a movie star or a television star at some point for some reason and the reasons vary. They decide that they could probably be good singers. And sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But critically, I mean, I'm sure that if you were to look at all of these albums critically, the majority are probably pretty bad. But every now and then you get a good one, or at least something that you might have some fans of, you know, gathering around. The one that comes to mind, and I and I might have mentioned it once before when I was talking about Miami Vice, we did a Miami Vice show a very long time ago, is an album by Don Johnson. And I know there are lists out there that just about every single one of these that I'm going to talk about falls under the 
horrible, you know, celebrity albums. But I, I still, <laughs> I guess you can call it a guilty pleasure, uh, you know, of mine. The Heartbeat Don Johnson album. What was happening is that at the time, Don Johnson was a superstar during Miami Vice days. And sometimes, and it happens, you know, you got these stars that they just need some kind of an outlet to be able to do more. And I could be wrong, but I think maybe around that time, he might have been dating Barbara Streisand at one point. So I guess the, the, the musical bug got into him. And he put out this album, which is kind of like a rock and ballad kind of album. And the way that the album was premiered or presented to the world, if you will, was through an HBO special. That was basically a, an hour-long music video where he played, I guess, like a journalist who goes like to these third-world nations to film some atrocities, and they're chasing him, and, you know, he's kind of like being chased and escapes and gets through and finds a, a woman and, you know, she loves him and he's going back on the road. It, He's basically playing Sonny Crockett. I mean, there's just no way around that. That's what he looks like. That's what he acts like. That's what he does. But it was weird because it wasn't a dramatic presentation. It was just like a one big long music video because every song led to another song led to another song. And that's how the story is being told. And all these songs comprise of this album called Heartbeat. Again, I am completely guilty of liking this album. There's a couple of songs that I completely like, and I, you know, I still have them in my rotation of uh, playlists. Uh, so it does show up every now and then. And yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one, but it's there. Another variation, which you could kind of say it's maybe from around that same time, is Bruce Willis, The Return of Bruno. The story apparently goes that before he was an actor, back when he used to bartend, I guess, he would also play in bands or sing or something. How successful he was at it, I'm not entirely sure. But once again, he is a huge star with the show Moonlighting. And I'm not entirely sure if he had already started going the movie route at that point. But it's one of this, these cases where these guys are so big and so popular that it's like they have to give them something else to do. And he put together this album. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it might have also been a, an, another one of these HBO specials where they let him kind of come up with some kind of storyline to wrap up all these songs. And... Yeah, he, I remember the song, I think, was Respect Yourself, which is obviously a, a cover. And uh, that's the direction he would go. I mean, I think he played the harmonica, too, so it was kind of like a bluesy harmonica kind of thing. And... I think he even kind of worked it into some of the commercials that he was, 
he was um what was he a pitchman for i think it was seagram wine coolers yeah i think it was seagram wine coolers and that kind of he was also pitching his his musical talents there too which yeah that's an entire album there that you know some of you might might actually have it another one from a little before that the funny thing about some of these actors is that not only did they come up with an album but some of them have multiple albums they actually had more than one but what you what you find a lot of times is that it's like the first one is the novelty and the second one almost nobody even hears about because nobody really cares at that point and a lot of these uh you know go through those phases of multiple albums where you know after your second one they kind of said all right we we had enough of this but another one uh that was more popular to the extent where he i think he actually technically had a hit and that is Eddie Murphy he had a song called party all the time it's an 80 song it's a very i don't know what you want to call it a party fun kind of song And what was funny about Eddie Murphy was that when he was becoming very popular in the stand-up side, you know, from his comedy concerts, and even from SNL, you could say, because he did a lot of that stuff, too, uh, he would do imitations of singers. He would try to do his Michael Jackson or his James Brown or whatever. And he was really good at doing imitations, uh, I guess, to the point where somebody must have said to him, you know what, why don't you just put out your own album? And he did. And... Granted, you know, after a while, it's like, yeah, okay, we get it. But hell, he got a hit. There was a song that, a song called Party All the Time that made it, you know, to the, I don't know, top 40 rotation. It it actually uh, got some traction. And that's something that some of these that I talk about don't go that far. They end up being, I don't know if you want to call it a cult classic for people that are real big die, diehard fans. Or people that are just strangely <laughs> appreciative of that music. Uh, but with Murphy, he was able to actually get a legitimate hit. And it's funny because uh, another artist that you can kind of say was able to do something like that was Patrick Swayze. You know, with the movie Dirty Dancing, he actually sang at least one song. She's like a dream, I think it's called. Oh, she's like the wind. She's like the wind. Just a fool to believe I have anything she needs. She's like the wind. And it's him. You could hear him. It's him singing it. And it's kind of like, oh, that's weird. He's the actor. He's the, the dancer. But he's also singing, you know, not on camera, but is one of the songs on the soundtrack. Uh, so, so it is a little strange when all of a sudden they're... Now, this is different than, for example, you take a movie like Moulin Rouge, where you have actors that are singing. So you're really dealing with a musical here. And what is interesting and, and, and that I really, really enjoy about that movie, and, you know, we talked about this before, I am not a musicals type of person, but... Moulin Rouge is one of those exceptions, is the fact that the lead actors, and, and a lot of the other actors, but the lead actors specifically are doing the majority of the singing. So you have Ewan McGregor and Nicole Kidman. 
Nicole Kidman's voice passes for a singer's voice. She, she does have the voice. But Ewan McGregor's voice does not really pass for a singer's voice. However, what's unusual about this is that it's still good. He doesn't have the range, but it's still good. To me, it's a little bit similar to what happens with the Don Johnson album. He cannot hit certain notes. He just can't. He doesn't have the chops. But I still like it. <laughs> so it's weird how sometimes, even though it's not perfect, it's still good. Which, you know, again, for some actors, it works. And for some, it doesn't. As far as that, again, these are my rules. Well, for something completely different. And this is... This is... A different kind of celebrity album because most of these ones that I've been talking about so far are, are celebrities that are trying to do something serious, let's say. In other words, they're really putting it out there to the best of their ability, okay? But every now and then, you're going to get an album that is done purposely in a funny manner, let's say, or I don't know if you can call it a novelty album, but... It's somewhat of a, let's say, a, a comedic album. And I'm not talking about jokes, but what I'm talking about here is Joe Pesci. He put out a, an album called Vincent LaGuardia Gambini Sings Just For You. And from what I understand, this is based on the character that he played in the movie My Cousin Vinny. But what he does here is he, he sings a whole bunch of really weird songs as that character. And... I hadn't really listened to much of this, and for the hell of it, I started playing it, and oh my god, you are not going to believe this album. It is super filthy, <laughs> but it's Joe Pesci in his Joe Pesci mode. Well, I'm telling you, baby, I'm through with you, then you love, shove it up, you big fat ass. Hey, I'm better off being all by myself like fucking Celine Dijon. It's it's something to experience. And again, it's not the type of thing that he's switching careers, but it's it's almost like it's a goof, but it's a good goof. So it's just a bizarre type of thing. Now, one of the last people that I would ever imagine would put out an album, and this was years ago, is Steven Seagal. Yes, the Steven Seagal, Mr. Martial Arts... Uh, Mumu-wearing uh, secret agent uh, ambassador to Russia or whatever the hell it is that he is now. Yes, he put out an album. Now, this guy was super popular for his martial arts films. You know, he was like the next Chuck Norris, uh, more or less. You know, when you have that progression of martial arts movie stars. And yeah, his film's eventually crashed and burned and so did the majority of his career and I, I couldn't even tell you if he's even in the video bin anymore or or now he's on the streaming you know movie number 562 of action category you know one of those deals but yeah he put out an album he was uh, you know, kind of again like a bluesy rock kind of album untouchable 
I will say he doesn't have a horrible voice, but every song that I heard or I tried to listen to sounds like just bad movie music. <laughs> that's just what it sounds like. It's like, get me something that sounds like this. Okay, here it is. It's like uh, it's like temp music. Again, all this stuff is on YouTube. You just punch up the person's name and you're going to get all these albums. They're just there sitting waiting for you. So along that track, we we come now to Mr. T's Commandments. Uh, this is Mr. T, the, the, the famous character. I guess I don't know if you can call him an actor. He's an actor. He's a wrestler act, but he's uh, he's an actor. But Mr. T, everybody knows who Mr. Or at least everybody my age knows who Mr. T was. He he was in Rocky Three. Uh, he was in the A Team. He was B A Baracus. He had a, a cartoon show, an animated show about Mr. T. I'm sure he was in other. He was he was a guest star in just about every popular show of that time. But he also put out an album, uh, kind of like a children's album of safety, of important safety information uh, for children. You can call it like a rap, uh, funk, electronic sort of album. And it's him basically talking about, you know, don't do drugs and, uh, you know, be nice to everybody and don't drink and don't smoke and this and that. And it's it's really, it's really weird. Weird, weird, bad, bad, weird. It's okay if they call you square. You got promise and you got hope. Everybody say no. It's very it's it's so 80s. It is just so 80s. But it's one of the things that you have to, you know, if you have a chance, you have to take a take a listen to it. So, going a little further in history, the superstar that Clean East would eventually would become had his beginnings on television like a lot of actors and specifically he was pretty popular in the show Rawhide. Well, Around the time of Rawhide, they put out a Clean Eastwood Sings Cowboy Favorites. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. And, uh, you know, he's there doing the hits. You got to do all the hits. And he's got quite a number of them, but... You can tell it's his, I mean, it's his voice. You cannot get away from that Clean Eastwood voice. I don't think he did this again, <laughs> at least in this manner. But this was not unusual. There were people doing these type of things all the time. And it, it was it was just odd sometimes of how it was almost like mandatory. If you have a show... You better at some point do a do a song. You know, you better do a, an album because again, keep in mind also that around that time, there wasn't much media out there to be able to to do. In other words, there was no internet, there was no YouTube, there was no other medium other than the television, the the movie, or the Broadway show. And the other the only other way to put something out there for people to consume, or if you're a fan of that individual, is. You put out an album. Now, the king of the 
actor that all of a sudden starts to make the music, I think, would probably be David Hasselhoff. Because as cheesy, I mean, let me put it this way. David Hasselhoff was not a superstar to the, ex- to the extent where critically he was just a beloved actor. No, he was a very popular actor from a bunch of cheesy kind of shows. You know, from my perspective, Knight Rider was the way that I got to know him. But a lot of people became a huge fan of Hasselhoff through Baywatch. He probably made way more money through Baywatch and probably still makes it to this day. But the popularity that he apparently got from being a singer, a rock singer in Germany, out of all places, is something that I bet you most of these other actors that I'm talking about are super jealous of. I mean, this guy has an entire other career that he worked at for years of just being a... And and again, to us, that kind of music and the kind of songs he's singing, they're just weird. They're like... Songs that it's it you would figure it's it's what somebody from Europe would think an American singer would be like. <laughs> it's just bizarre. But guess what? You cannot argue with the fact that this guy made millions of dollars singing this stuff. Uh, again, it didn't get any traction here, but it got a lot of traction in Europe. Now, like I mentioned before, this is not a phenomenon that is only limited to, uh, you know, like my lifetime or, or the 80s or the 90s or today. You know, this has always been happening. And even some of the most, what I would consider to be serious actors, like like really serious, serious actors. So... At a certain point, Christopher Lee puts out an album called Charlemagne, The Omens of Death. And it's supposed to be a like a knight or a king fighting with swords and horses and this and that. That's the cover of the album. It's some kind of battlefield. And it is a heavy metal album. And you, you just cannot wrap your mind around the fact that it's Christopher Lee singing heavy metal. It's just an incredible thing to listen to. This is like, you know, this is like so out there that, you know, it's it just does not make sense to me. Other than the fact that I, I really can't stand that music, that kind of like, I don't want to call it speed metal, but it is heavy, heavy, heavy metal. Not what I would picture him singing <laughs> whatsoever. Again, on the side of novelty, heavy, heavy on the comedy, you have Rodney Dangerfield doing Rapping Rodney. This is basically an extension of his comedy act set to music. Uh, it's it's his shtick, it's his act, and and somehow, you know, it was decided at some point that he's going to turn it into a a song and an album. I'm getting old. It's hard to face. No respect. 
No respect. But during sex, I lose my place. No respect. No respect. Steak and sex, my favorite pair. No respect. Now, what's bizarre about this album is that Dangerfield was like in his 60s. Again, this is similar to Christopher Lee. And he puts out this this rap album of, of his comedy routine. And it's a hit. It's one of these novelty hits that all of a sudden it makes it to, you know, the, the Billboard charts. And it actually starts to kind of get some traction there. It had its own music video. He... he Played it live. He performed it live a couple times on some television shows, and it, it's part of you know from what you remember, at least from what I remember of the resurgence of of Rodney Ray Dangerfield. I mean, the guy had a career even before I even knew who he was. But in the eighties, his career exploded. I guess uh, it, he had like a second wave of, of his career. This is around the time where you had Sam Kinison, you know, the, the stand-up circuit was exploding everywhere, and he was kind of like the the master of ceremonies, and, and he would be like the host of a lot of these new young comedian types. He was like the, the godfather, if you will. And out of nowhere, he gets this hit, <laughs> which it's just it's just incredible how these things work. Two more that I want to mention. And this is, again, it's one of those things where you, you kind of start to see a pattern a little bit. Uh, Leonard Nimoy from Star Trek, Mr. Spock himself, had also uh, dabbled in this, uh, putting together a couple of songs in his album, including the, oh, what was it called? The Something of Bilbo Baggins, the... Something called The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Really weird 60s, 70s. I mean, it's about the Lord of the Rings. It's about the Hobbit. So <laughs> that's out of all the unusual topics, you know, to pick from. This is one of the things. Uh, he was definitely not a very mainstream kind of a selection. It was just an odd, bizarre choice. But I can't help but think that his inspiration might have been all the stuff that Shatner did. And I've talked about Shatner before. I did an entire show about all the bizarre things that Shatner has done, including his music. The album The Transformed Man is the one that has all of those classic Shatner songs, which... It's something that I don't want to say it haunts him, but it's 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 the epitome of William Shatner's diverse amount of talent is a good word, but ability to explore just about any conceivable entertainment venue that exists. You name it and he'll try it. He'll do it and sometimes he'll do it ten times. Whether it's good or not. <laughs> hey, Mr. Tamarin. Whether it's writing books, doing commercials, doing bit parts, or doing these kind of albums, Shatner is basically the epitome of what we're talking about here. 
granted, a majority of it could be considered schlock and super cheesy, bizarre, kind of like weird, scary. But there are things that are absolutely awesome. And not awesome in terms of, yeah, this is like a top 10 hit type of awesome. But no, awesome because it's just damn awesome. I'm scared again. I'm scared again. Foot slipped. Pebbles fall and so did I. Almost. I'm high. On Yosemite. The big gray wall. The stones this guy has. He'll do it. He'll do it, and if he fails miserably, he does it again. <laughs> He'll just do it again. And every now and then, you get a Shatner gem out of the deal. Now, let me mention uh, some other ones that you may not be aware that they've tried it. Let's see. Kevin Cosner has given it a shot with, with his own band. And this is something, again, this is something where actors, sometimes you see where they're kind of quiet in their careers. All of a sudden, they'll do something like this. And then they'll return to their normal thing, whether it's a movie or a TV show. Russell Crowe, all of a sudden, I remember, all of a sudden popped up with some music, uh, with an album. Billy Bob Thornton apparently had one. Hugh Laurie, the actor Hugh Laurie. Uh, Jeff Daniels. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, there's a couple of these guys, again, that they just formed their own bands and on their downtime, I guess they just participated in them. Uh, Michael Sarah, Richard Harris. Again, you're talking about now these classical actors that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they come up with this stuff. Robert Downey Jr. Oh, my God. Now, I don't know if I would characterize him as an actor, but I think I would because his popularity was bizarre. Hey there, Mr. Dealer. You drug-pushing son of a bitch Messing up the minds of the kids of America Just to make your fat rich He was the prototype, I think, for what later became your typical Fox News anchor. He was the, the guinea pig of somebody who would just say the most outrageous political things and just watch people explode. He even dabbled in music, too, at some point. Ryan Goslin, very famous actor. Kevin Bacon, another one. I think it's the Bacon Brothers. It's him and his brother. They have a band that sometimes they, they kind of dabble. Scarlett Johansson. Jackie Chan. Oh, my God. We talked about Steven Seagal before. Wow. <laughs> Even martial arts stars cannot help themselves. And apparently Jackie Chan has a ton of albums. <laughs> you just cannot make this up. Tony Collette, the actress. Kiefer Sutherland. Wow. He's into singing too. Jamie Foxx. Now I do remember, I think Jamie Foxx. And this again, and I mentioned this before, this happens with actors. After they do certain roles where they have to play musicians, they kind of catch the bug for it. Now baby, I just want to take your freaking clothes off. Kiss your body while I take your freaking clothes off. Lead them heels on while I take your clothes off. Lead them And I think Jamie Foxx was around the time where he played Ray Charles. Might have been before it or right afterwards where all of a sudden he started dabbling in music. Terrence Howard. Macaulay Culkin. Oh my God. Brie Larson. 
Captain Marvel herself, Bart Reynolds. He, yeah, he, uh, again, it's, 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 he, they're at their height of their popularity. It's the 70s. He's got like deliverance and Smokey and the Bandit or whatever. And, and he's just on fire. And it's like he's, they gotta make him do something because it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna generate money no matter what. And, and, and doing an album is, is usually a good idea for them. Jeff Bridges, similar to Jamie Foxx, he, did a movie where he was singing, and guess what? He's pretty good. So he put out, you know, at least an album out of that. Seth MacFarlane, who's a huge, kind of like big band, uh, lounge singing kind of individual. You hear a lot of it in some of his shows. He put out his own album. Anthony Hopkins, he is a bizarre one. Talk about a classic actor. He put out a concert album. Where he, I believe he like wrote an orchestra. He's not singing, but he's writing thing the music, which is wow. That's a whole other level of crossing to a different medium. It's just a, a something that you don't you definitely you don't hear that every day. Joe Piscopo, Joe Piscopo, uh, yeah, he had some music. I don't remember exactly. Some of it might have been comedic, but it, again, this is around a time where everything is tied through HBO around a special and around an hour long special where certain actors or certain celebrities are are given uh, you know um the freedom to just perform something for an hour and that's what they put together Brigitte Nielsen oh my god i can't even remember what the hell she put out but apparently she put out an album Jack Palance oh talk about old school Jack Pounds, Danny Aiello. Now, Danny Aiello, I did hear because I remember he did put out some kind of like Sinatra-ish kind of uh, albums because that, you know, that's the type of thing he was into. Jack Webb. Oh, my God. Talk about the oldies. Uh, Lorne Green from Bonanza. Yep, yep, yep. Corey Feldman. Oh, boy. This was around the time of, let's think, it was Michael Jackson inspired. I think it was a movie called Dream a Little Dream. It was the Corys. And... All of a sudden, one of them, I don't know why, and I know there's a lot of controversy around him and Michael Jackson. But this was a period of time where he was, I don't want to say infatuated, but very attached to the Michael Jackson persona where he was kind of even dressing like him and dancing. And I guess he went all the way and put out a song or an album having to do with that. Linda Carter, Wonder Woman herself. Again, it's the 70s. You got to have an album. Here's a bizarre one that is super creepy now when you think about it. Stephen Collins, the, the actor from Star Trek The Motion Picture and the show Seventh Heaven who ended up having sexual problems with minors. Oh my God. Talk about a way of just destroying your career. Yeah. He put out an album. Uh, I, I think, I think forgetting about the album is the least of his problems these days. Joey Lawrence. Again, you have to be a kid of the eighties to remember who Joey Lawrence was. Chevy Chase put out an album. 
Paris Hilton. Again, if you're a little more contemporary, talk about, oh my God, I, can't, I just can't believe it. Hulk Hogan. Well, you know what? If Mr. T gets an album, then you got to give one to Hulk Hogan too, because it's kind of like, why not? Why, why, why the hell not? John Travolta. Well, there you go. Again, it's the 70s. This guy is on fire between Saturday Night Fever. It might not even been before that. It could have been after Welcome Back Carter. So remember, when Welcome Back Carter came out, everybody knew this guy was going to be a star. And he, they were, everybody was just waiting. He's just waiting for the vehicle that's going to catapult him. Hey, hey. Something she said has stuck in my head and I can't get away. So, yeah, he was a, a teen star and on his way to becoming huge with, with Saturday Night Fever. And, yep, here's your album for you. Tony Danza, how could you not give the star of Who's the Boss his own album? What other manner can you experience the Tony Danza experience of acting than through his musical stylings? I don't know. I don't know about you. Jeremy Renner. Now, I... Talk about contemporary. I remember something about, I don't know if it was The Tonight Show or one of these night talk shows where he came on and he was playing the piano and singing. And I don't think people took it too well. (laughs) I don't know if he's going on tour. But, um, you know, a lot of these people, it's, it's, I guess it's like a dream. And, you know, you and I don't get to live out our dreams in that manner. Just say, all right, I'm putting out an album this uh, this month. I'm just going to go in the studio and crank out an album. No, it doesn't work like that. But these guys, you know, they got enough. No matter how insignificant of an actor you are, usually there's enough to at least, you know, you know, poop out an album. Okay. Ted Cassidy. For those of you who don't know, Ted Cassidy was an actor who played Lurch in The Addams Family. The character of Lurch is... A bizarre combination of like Frankenstein and a zombie, let's say. And his catchphrase or his catch sound was kind of like a like a lurchy kind of weird moany kind of creaky sound. Well, this album is is again, it's a goof. It's it's him kind of speaking in that lurchy voice. It's a brand new bag. A uh, very 60s sounding thing. It's it, it's it's complete complete train wreck. That's the best way to describe it. And again, if you even know who he is, the first thing that comes to mind is like, how on earth do you even make an album with this particular individual's character? It just makes no sense. Adam West. Well, again. The show, you know, Batman had so many musical sections to the show. Not necessarily him singing, but there was a lot of dancing, a lot of music being played. It's kind of like unavoidable that sooner or later he would put out an album, and he did. (laughs) Uh, Fabio, uh, once again, uh, similar to Ted Cassidy's Lurch. Fabio put out an album. I just cannot even conceive what the hell that is about. Oh, my God. The best way to describe this album, and I'll be honest, a lot of these that I'm just spitting out there, I have never listened to them, but I've sampled them on YouTube. 
The best way to describe this album is basically a porn. It is audio musical porn. First, like to look into her eyes because they can tell me what she really feels. There is a quality in a woman's eyes. They show more than her physical beauty. Oh my God, Edward Furlong. Okay, talk about somebody who had his 15 minutes of fame and then made an album? Really? This was the 90s and it was like, Really? They, people still kind of did that? At that step? They did. He did. He put out an album. Ted Knight? Okay, it's the 60s. It's, it's, it makes a little more sense. It's more of a comedic album type of thing. So there were a lot of comedians who kind of were uh, capitalizing on their characters. Obviously, for him, it's, it's his, his, his Mary Tyler Moore character, his, uh, you know, that kind of a character. So it's, it's in character kind of singing. Farrah Fawcett, yeah, again, if you give one to John Travolta, why wouldn't you give one to Farrah Fawcett? It's the 70s. They're stars. They gotta, you got to put them somewhere. Telly Savalas. Yeah, it's it's Kojak singing here. Um, uh, 60s, 70s, probably 70s-ish. I just, it's like, wow. Uh, I just can't describe it. <laughs> Let's just move on to the next one. David Soul. Now, David Soul from Starsky and Hutch did have somewhat of a musical career, too. Granted, he bounced off of television, but he uh, apparently was at least a little more successful than, than 90% of the ones that I'm talking about here. Don't give up on us, baby. We're still worth one more try. I know we put a last one. Okay, Sly Stallone. Now, while I cannot say that Sly Stallone actually put out an entire album, I can say that he shot a movie called Rhinestone with Dolly Parton where he sings. But wiser you created a monster And they call him Frankenstein and the tavern down the street Now, I don't think he ever sang again after that movie, and, and you would have to basically watch the movie or listen to one of those songs to say to yourself, yeah, that's a good idea. You should maybe stick to beating the crap out of people or shooting them, you know, making your war movies or whatever, because singing definitely was not in his future. And, and again, you should just watch watch it and make up your own mind brent spiner again one of these star trek guys i guess following the route of uh <laughs> of shatner um his was more like a jazzy uh sinatra ish kind of lounge kind of music so i remember hearing about it it's out there if you're interested philip michael thomas well if you have don johnson one star of Miami Vice putting out an album, then the other guy has to put out an album too, right? Isn't that isn't that you know fair is fair? Spock and Kirk both have albums. You might as well have Sonny and uh, and Rico. <laughs> yep, he put out an album. Hervé Villachay. Okay, I give up. I I just give up. Tattoo from Fantasy Island. Now, if you guys are not familiar with Tattoo of Fantasy Island, you would have to watch it. 
and try to uh, make sense or understand what we're talking about here. Why would he have an album and what would that album sound like? I would imagine it's somewhere in the Ted Cassidy Lurch territory. Alright, so I, I had to look it up and it is it is uh it is it is it is it is um really weird. It is really weird. <laughs> I cannot I cannot make heads or tails of this. Next up, Adrian Zemed. Talk about an 80s C-level actor <laughs> that had a very short C-level appearance on certain films. He was also on TJ Hooker. Oh my God, I wonder if Shatner talked them into it. It's a possibility. Now, along with individual actors, you also have to remember that any show usually that might have been associated with any kind of singing or anything as a group, like for example, the Partridge Family, you can bet that at least half those actors tried to do some kind of musical thing. The Brady Bunch, same thing. You might, there's a couple of them that tried it. Happy Days, there's a couple of them that probably took a shot at it. I've seen those album covers. So that's there, uh, that's there too. Even Muhammad Ali, believe it or not, had an album. And I think Ed McMahon also did. This is just a fraction of the names you will find if you start doing some research of celebrities who dabbled in music. And uh, most of them uh, didn't exactly switch careers, uh, like I mentioned before. Depending on how old you are, you might remember a few of them. You might own a few of those albums, those of us who still have albums. But just like anything else, there will be some diamonds in the rough. But there will be probably way more that are kind of like a train wreck, a dumpster fire. <laughs> that you just cannot make heads or tails of why did this happen. And it's the type of thing, kind of like a really bad movie, where the actor will just hope you kind of forget about the bad movies. Well, something tells me that a lot of these are the type of things that the actors probably wish you would just move on to something else and not focus on it. But listen, it's out there. It makes for great fun. You know, the, 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 the shock value of it alone and the, the awfulness of a lot of it. But like I said, just like everything else, every now and then you'll find something that's pretty cool. Um, like, a, um, to me, Shatner has some really great stuff because he can do it all horrible and great. It's it's a nonstop machine of everything can happen with Shatner. Eddie Murphy had a good hit. Don Johnson, still, it's a, definitely a guilty pleasure. I, I like it. I'm, I'm stuck with it. And even one of my all-time favorite actors, who when I think about it, if I really, really think about it, out of all of these actors that I mentioned... I'm going to say that my favorite actor that managed to make a very good, I would dare say, great album 
is going to be Bill Paxton because Bill Paxton was part of Martini Ranch and there's a couple of great cuts on Martini Ranch. He was in the music videos. He was the lead singer in some of the songs. So that's going to be, out of all of them, the full package for me. Even beyond Shatner. Hell, I'm throwing Shatner under the bus. I don't care. Bill Paxton will always be the man when it comes to somebody who could do the acting and then sing about something, and it's just great. (laughs) That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We explored some of the greatest hits, if you will, of celebrity music, celebrity albums, many of them the type that they probably wish we would never find, but thanks to YouTube, they're all out there. You can find them. This is a phenomenon that I think will continue forever. As long as you have, you know, a certain kind of celebrity, there will always be something that they'll try to do that they maybe shouldn't have. With that said, I know there are some diamonds in the rough out there, and I'm guilty of loving a whole bunch of them, but it's still fun to, you know, explore some of these complete train wrecks. So on behalf of everybody here, thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon here at GeekFest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2020. This broadcast is part of the IC Robots radio network. Visit icrobots.com for this and many other nerd slash nostalgia related podcasts. You won't be sorry for long. <laughs>